everybody. Once again, it is time for the Mainland Podcast. This is episode number 360. And I'm your host, Michael Citro, the founder and managing editor of TheMainland.com. That is an independent website, and it covers Orlando City, the Orlando Pride, OCB, all things soccer-related in the city. Beautiful. Joining me from Tallahassee, Florida, David Rowe. Dave, how's it going? Uh, you know, pretty good. I mean, obviously a mixed uh, bag over the weekend uh, as far as the, the teams we care about. But, um, you know, I, I assume not as good as you because you got to have a mini vacation, kind of. Yes, I have uh, got to spend a few days in Charlotte at my sister's house. My dad was there, My both my sisters, my brother. So we, his kids were there. And yeah, it was fun. It was a nice little gathering. I basically got to spend most of two days in a swimming pool in the sun. <laughs> and that was very stress relieving. And um, then, of course, I drove eight hours in the rain today from Charlotte to Orlando. So. <laughs> so you get all stress, that stress back. Stress all came back. Yeah. <laughs> I was feeling so good. Uh, it was also um, a very eye-opening experience because uh, I have not, um, you know, I just started walking about a month ago, just trying to get some some long walks in and and doing that as much as I can. And those those walks in the North Carolina hills hit a little differently. Yeah, well, you know, uh, you got hills yeah. uh, that you don't have in Central Florida, and uh, altitude's a little different, and we we all know what altitude can do to a person. Yes, it was nice, though, because my sister was like, oh, I don't know how you can walk in this. It's so hot. And I'm like, oh, when I left your house this morning, it was 77 degrees, which is about, I don't know, 15 degrees cooler than what I normally walk, maybe. Uh, and there was a nice breeze. There was shade. I have none of that in Florida. I'm like, I'm, I'm usually don't have a breeze. Yes, I don't have any shade where I walk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's well, that, that part is better. Yeah. So anyway, it was, yeah, it was good. But, um, of course the lions ruined my vacation because I had to cover the game on Saturday night and, you know, I don't mind staying up and, you know, spending a little time, uh, a little family time away, uh, to, to watch the game. If they're going to play well, that was not the case on Saturday night. No, it was not. Uh, and much like uh, you on your walks, uh, I think altitude, uh, despite what they say, I think altitude probably affected that performance. Yeah, the Lions are not using anything as an excuse. The fixture congestion, the the travel, the altitude. That's that's great. They're professionals. They don't want to they don't want to blame it on anything. And that's the way it should be. You know, you you take responsibility. But at the same time. Oscar Pereja came out with the exact same lineup as Tuesday, and that surprised me because I did not think that was a great idea to start with. I asked him about it after the game. He said that they they felt like they wanted to to keep the rhythm of the group that they had been going with and, and then bring the energetic guys off the bench. And the problem with that is if you fall behind, the energetic guys off the bench don't really have much to do except see out the game. It's not, uh, it's not like they... You went out and, and dominated, although for 15 minutes, it was looking pretty good. I mean, they got a shot off just wide of the net, 12 seconds in from Duncan McGuire, a couple other opportunities in, in the next few over the next few minutes. And they really looked like they wanted to pounce on him and get that first goal. But 15 minutes after you start, as they said on the broadcast, that's kind of when you start feeling it in your chest, that altitude. And, you know, RSL had a full week 
off. They didn't have to travel um, midweek like Orlando. They're used to the altitude. All of these things kind of combined, and it was a perfect storm for for a bad result. That said, I thought Orlando City played they played Real Salt Lake exactly evenly in the first half, and the stats bear it out. The stats were extremely even at the half. The only difference is two set pieces they fell asleep on and, and allowed RSL to score. And you can't leave Chicho Arango alone in front of net, which is what Wilder Cartagena did. Now, I'm not sure if that was his man to begin with, but when you end up marking nobody, go find the next dangerous person or the most dangerous person in your area and mark that person. Because Wilder, for all the great things he's done this year, he had no idea who he was supposed to mark on that play. Yeah, which is unfortunate because, um, like you say, all stats being equal and yet to to go down goals. And, you know, if things might have been different if Duncan had gotten that goal right off the bat, um, then they're not chasing chasing the match. And uh, they may be able to see it out even on tired legs at altitude. But going down a goal, now you're chasing the game when you can't chase. And, you know, difficulty level skyrockets. Yeah, it was it was always important to get the first goal. They weren't able to do that. And then um, they still were in okay shape until late in the first half when they gave up the second. And we talked about Justin Glad being dangerous on set pieces on the show last week. And, of course, that's what happened. Araujo could not handle him. I'm not sure you should have Cesar on their biggest target guy. <laughs> but, you know, for whatever reason, the marking was not great. The, the assignments were not great for this game. Um, it was it was a failure either on the field or in the coaching leading up to this on how to defend Real Salt Lake on set pieces. And they were they were not good enough on them and, and it cost them. They're down two goals at the half. And from that point on, you just knew the the, the legs are tired. The mind's going to start going with it because when, when your body's tired, your mind starts to to make mental mistakes and and that's kind of what happened, as we saw throughout the second half. The Real Salt Lake was able to do things that shouldn't have been able to do that they haven't been able to do at home this year. And right. uh, the third goal really put things on ice. That was a uh, just a, a momentary. I don't know what really what what they were even thinking bringing Luca Petrasso on for Kuno Torres. I really didn't like the way the game was managed. And I don't really say that about Oscar Pereja's teams very often, but I, I, I thought for sure they should have started Ojeda instead of Pereira. I thought they should have maybe made a change, uh, you know, somewhere else, maybe in the midfield or something, defense midfield or on the, at the fullback position for this game and decided not to do that. And then in the second half, some of the substitutions to me didn't make sense. One of the few players in the forward line that I thought actually looked like himself for most of the game was Ivan Angulo and he was one of the first guys subbed off. Yeah. So, I mean, you take the guy that's, that's usually the quickest and uh, seems to have a lot of energy and, and take him off the field because we want, we don't want that. Um, <laughs> it was, yeah, this was the, uh, this is the, the Yang to the Ying of all the goodness that has been going over, you know, the last, uh, 10 or so matches, uh, you know, it's, it just all came, everything that could go wrong, went wrong. And the, the lines didn't show up. Oscar didn't show up. Uh, you and I would have liked to have not shown up, but there wasn't a choice. 
Yeah, I will say that the team didn't show up. I think that they tried hard for as long as they could. I definitely don't think that that was the best game plan for this game, and I don't think the substitution pattern was great. I know that when they brought Petrasso in for Torres, they was a, they were, it was essentially to go three at the back with Santos, Carlos, and Janssen. But if you're going to do that, I would have just brought Schlegel on mm-hmm. and, and not Petrasso because you've got two guys who play left back on the field and neither one of them closed down Jefferson Savarino for the third goal. It was it was just not good enough. And and Santos was not good in this game. He's he's really come a long way this year from the first few appearances that he made as a lion, but you could tell that he was tired and it was all the joy that Real Salt Lake was having was down his side. Yeah. Well, let me rephrase. The team that we're used to seeing be effective didn't show up. Yeah. And, and that's what that's what it looks like when you play three games in eight, three games in eight days against a team that's on normal rest at home. And you've gone across the country, play at altitude. That's kind of what it looks like. And you don't rotate. I mean, that was, I I think that was a mistake. And I don't know that, that if, if he had it to do over again, I believe Oscar would have approached the game differently. Yeah, most likely. Uh, So it's three nil at that point, you know, there's no real chance. And then then the, the fourth goal was, it was just a fresh guy making a play against tired guys, and and then it was it was over. It could have been worse. Yeah. Uh, Galese saved a couple of, of potential uh, goals from going in, and then the offside flag saved them a couple other times. Uh, those were all correct decisions, but uh, at the same time, you know, it was it was the second half was very troublesome. And in fact, there were times when I couldn't even tell what shape they were trying to play because they weren't in any shape. Yeah, it was, it was, it was brutal to watch. It was, it was like you say, it was no fun. So you have to stay up late to watch it, and then it's it's no fun, and they're just getting shellacked. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> you're staying up late. You're on vacation. You got to write a story. <laughs> it's no fun. No bueno. No, I didn't like it. Do not want. No. Uh, yes. None of that again. I would really like to, let's say, have a full week's rest before the uh, the next match. Well, they're going to get that because the Lions have a week off before they go to play Atlanta United on fake plastic grass, Dave. Megatron's butthole. Not digging that either. But uh, anyway, uh, what I- I'm sure neither of us yeah. predicted four nil. Uh, what did you have as a product uh, as the predictions? Uh, so I was incredibly optimistic with the one-one draw. You were uh, slightly less optimistic and partially correct with the the result, but you said one-nil lost. Um, you were you were so close. I had the Just, goals for Orlando correct and the result yeah, correct. That you did. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how many times you see a team explode and then get shut out, but it happens a lot in MLS. I don't know why. And there are times like this where you see a team win a lopsided game and then they lose the next game by the exact same lopsided score. It it boggles the mind, but this does happen in MLS from time to time. Yeah, we should have we should have seen it coming, honestly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. So I remember I, I said that I would be happy if Orlando got two points out of these two games, these these next two road games. They didn't get anything from RSL, so now they need to actually beat Atlanta United for this to be a successful two uh, two games. Although they they've got more road games coming in on the horizon, so it's going to be a little bit of a tough 
road for the next couple of weeks, but they can then get back to their principles and get fresh and get healthy or rested and recovered. They should be okay. They're, I still think this is a good team and they're still, I think on the ascendance. Um, the problem is that teams around the East seem to be getting better again in the mid season point with signings. And I don't see Orlando really doing anything in that. I think they've built this team for how they want it now and how they want it in the future. And I wouldn't expect a lot to happen in this transfer window. Uh, no, I agree with you. Um, I, I don't see anything. I don't see any incoming. I don't see any outgoing. Uh, I think, you know, they're going to sit there with their cards in front of them and just stay pat. But yeah. which you know. if you if you watch the progression from the beginning of the season to now, it's not necessarily a bad thing either. No, it's not. And And look, this loss at RSL was, you know. Like I say, there were a lot of factors that went into it. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, other than the score being so lopsided, I mean, you predicted a loss. So yeah. uh, it's not entirely surprising. I don't think I would have predicted a loss if it was at home or in a neutral site. But just given the circumstances, it seemed like that the the schedule, the fixture congestion was going to catch up with them at some point, And it, it did. Mm-hmm. I didn't think it was going to be to the tune of 4-0, but when you don't mark on set pieces that can, that can turn a close game into a blowout pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. And also when you don't hit the net and the guys were, uh, were not sharp, um, to left a couple of shots on target that were too close to the goalkeeper. Uh, Romero Enrique hit one that was so hilariously bad. I don't know if it's landed yet. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, in that altitude, it would carry. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. And, uh, but it is what it is. It's a loss. It's the worst loss the team has ever had against Rail Salt Lake. And, and we move on, as they say. Dave, uh, this was a very difficult one for me to pick a man of the match. Do you have a man of the match? Uh, do I have to? Um, probably should. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Galicia. Like you said, I mean, he, he made some saves to keep it from being worse, which, you know, normally you wouldn't like to say that a, uh, uh, keeper that lets in four goals as man of the match, but I, you know, I don't, nobody played particularly well. No, and I don't see what Galese could have done better on any of the goals that went in. I mean, he had zero exactly. chance on the two headers. Um, the fourth one was just a freaking blast from very close range, and Savarino's was a pinpoint accurate shot, at, and that was blistered as well. I, I don't know that he could have done much better positioning wise or anything to have stopped any of those four. So yeah. I think that's probably a good choice when I think about it's probably for me down to him. And, and I know that you also blame the back line when it's, when it's a four nil uh, loss and, and Janssen was culpable on the fourth goal to some extent, but I also think that he put out some fires that weren't his to put out in that game that, maybe kept the score from being worse. I mean, he kept Arango from having a breakaway after Santos just wound up for half an hour and took a shot from distance that was easily blocked because it, it's amazing when there's a guy standing in front of you, it's amazing how they don't move out of the way when you try to kick a ball. Yeah. It's like they're being told to, or taught to do that their entire soccer career. <laughs> yeah. That's when I knew things were, were rough. There was, there was just a lot of kicking the ball into the guy in front of them. Kyle was doing it on the other side as he tried to, you know, make clearances or make passes up the sideline. 
It's just like that little extra bit of energy that they needed to have to do what they normally do was missing. And so you get plays that look like that, where you're just beating it off the shins of the guy in front of you rather than making that extra little head fake or, or little movement that you need to clear yourself for the pass. So um, I, I guess I'll give it to Galese. Although I think Janssen did probably a lot of things that, that helped this game from being worse. And, um, you know, I can't say that anybody necessarily was not responsible for a goal against because it seemed like everybody was culpable for some of the transition opportunities that RSL was getting. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds right. All right. Uh, well, we move on via goldfish. We thankfully, we want, we want to forget, we want to remember the four nil wins, but we want to be a goldfish on the four nil losses. Yes, that sounds like a good policy to me. Yeah. All right. Uh, next up for Orlando City, as we mentioned, they go to Atlanta United on Saturday night, 7.30. And um, hopefully they can get some payback for that late equalizer Atlanta United scored at uh, Exploria Stadium. Yeah, well, I'm I'm hoping that the, uh, the they bounce back from that 4-0 loss and and are all the more determined. And since they, you know, will be able to breathe oxygen uh, in Atlanta, things might go better. Yeah, we'll see. See how it goes. All right, Dave, the Lions did make a signing in this window. Uh-huh, that they did. But it's nobody that we didn't already know. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> Javier Otero from OCB. Goalkeeper, 20 years old, gets a homegrown player contract. Very deserved. He's been really playing lights out for the last couple of years for o- an OCB side that punishes him repeatedly with giveaways. Mm-hmm. Um, they just, I don't know if they don't like him, <laughs> <laughs> but they make him face a lot of shots. He shouldn't have to face. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was, it's nice to see him rewarded for his hard work and, uh, he has been signed to a deal through, uh, the 2024 MLS season. So that's through next year with club options for 25 and 26 doesn't mean really much is going to change. He's going to continue to play for OCB. Um, it does give the club more flexibility to recall him uh, for, you know, games with the first team, if he's needed on the bench and that kind of thing. Exactly. Right. And um, he, like you said, he's proven it uh, that he deserves this contract uh, with his play uh, with OCB. Good shot stopper um, does well in penalty kicks. Um, you know, he's overall, especially at the MLS next pro level, he's, he's a very good quality uh, keeper and um, he's young. So get him under that homegrown and see, see what happens down the road. Yeah. It seems that the, the timing's funny because OCB gave up six goals this weekend on Sunday, yeah. but um, you know, it was again, Otero can only do so much. He can only he can only stop the shots he can stop. He he can't you can't keep putting him in a bad situation with giveaways in the midfield and the defensive half of the field, which OCB continues to do. We'll talk more about that in our uh analysis of that game, which will be an OCB minute. Oh, it'll be a minute. <laughs> but uh it's good. Congrats to to Javier Otero and and hopefully uh Hopefully he will develop into that next guy because we have, um, you know, Adam Grinwis's contract is going to be up and 
you know, who knows? He's he may want to move on and see if he can get some playing time, at least in the USL championship or somewhere, and um, you know, get some get some minutes because he hasn't been getting any with Orlando with the being behind Mason and uh and Pedro. So uh we will see how young Javier Otero's career unfolds, and we will uh of course we love having Granny around as that number three guy, but uh you know, let's be honest, your number three shouldn't be playing if 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 he is. Some things have gone wrong. Yes, things have gone wrong, and and it's yeah, yeah. That's it's not great, and we love Granny, but man, I, I would I wouldn't blame him if he wanted to go get some minutes. Yeah, he's a folk hero. All right, uh, Dave, we will talk about the Young Lions here in a little bit. We'll also get to our mailbag box, and uh, we're going to do all of those things after this. And we're back, Dave, and it's time to go see if anybody sent us a question in our mailbag box. Ooh, I love the mailbag box. Well, that's good because uh, we have one. So if you didn't love it, I don't know. We would you would probably find it to be drudgery when we answered our questions. I and yet it's not. I do love it. It's not drudgery. It's often my favorite part of uh, the podcast. Yeah. I'm just saying, if you didn't love it, it probably would oh. seem like drudgery. Oh, yeah, yeah, that would be. But I'm glad that it's love not it, the case. and I love it. So let's let's get to it. There's a couple of ways you can ask us anything here at the Mainland Podcast. It can be Orlando City related, soccer related, not soccer related at all. Any of those will do. Ask us anything. Anything has a very broad meaning. Yes, uh, you anything. can e- <laughs> you can email us at the mainland at gmail.com. Or you can hit us up on Twitter at the mainland with the hashtag AskTMLPC. And you can also go to the mainland.com and hit the mainland podcast page there. And there's a nice little convenient form you can fill out to uh, send us a question. So a few ways you can do it. I would stick to the two main ways because sometimes the form doesn't work for some people, especially on mobile. So we will we will advise you to try it, but maybe back it up with an email or something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just to be safe. Yeah, can't really find any problem with it. So um, it's hard to fix something when you can't find the problem. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, that's true. All right, here is our question. We have a question in the email, one this week, and I will get to that. That is from Andrew DeSalvo, who uh, actually uh, has chimed in with something that we were wondering on the podcast last week. Okay. Uh, he said we were talking about center back goals and wondering when was the last time a center back for Orlando City had scored three goals in a season, never mind a game or, or uh, three goals in a season, which Justin Glad had three uh, going into that game Saturday night. Uh, and then he scored his fourth. Um, he went back and researched it and he says that Robin Janssen had three during the 2021 season, three exactly. And Seb Hines scored three back in 2016. And Antonio Carlos had two in 2021 and Aurelian Collin had two in 2015. So Orlando city center back goals are rarities. They are, but what is really impressing me is the quality of the research. And I know that if you were able to do that, you could probably write that up as an article and as a staff member of the mainland. Oh, you've been called out, Andrew DeSalvo. Now you got to join the team. (laughs) (laughs) All right. uh, Now for his question. now for the mailbag box, which we all love, he says. Well, of course. Uh, are, there, are there any websites you know of 
that track all the allocation money dollars held by each MLS team. No. <laughs> no, that'd be great, but no. It's not really that transparent. Um, he says, or do you know at least what Orlando City has available to them for buying down a player or acquiring a player during the transfer window? Again, no. This is not something that we've been able to... I mean, because it is... It would require a lot of diligence from from day one onward because you're talking about acquiring it and spending it. And so you have to sort of figure out how much came in, how much went out and all of that stuff, how much is being used for the players that are currently on the roster and all of that stuff. So it's it's hard to track. Um, so I honestly don't have a clue, but I think that you can take some you can get glean some things from looking at the player association salary information when you when you go there and look to see who's on who's getting um, who's getting TAM deals, who's getting um, you've got your designated players. Obviously, they're not taking up any, but you've got your other guys that are making over the league minimum. So if you know the league or maximum, I should say, if you know the league maximum, and you go there, you can see who the TAM players are and, and how much is getting spent. Orlando City has a fairly low overall salary when you look up at the salary total for Orlando City. So I think they're in pretty good shape um, in terms of whether or not they could acquire somebody. I think they could, or if they if they were to, say, buy down Martino Heda or something, I think they would have the possibility of doing that. But I don't think they want to, and I don't expect them to. Yeah, that sounds right. Uh, we would all love, you know, Everybody loves the big splashy, uh, you know, player announcements and, and, you know, the guys that are going to, you know, transform a team and all that, but that's not how, that's not how Oscar is building, you know, this team and, you know, Orlando had Kaka, they had Nani, you know, they, they've, they've done that before and those guys can help out. But a lot of times it's more finding the, the South American kid who's on his way up like a Facundo Torres, who is contributing quite a bit. And if you're a, a buy me a coffee member of the mainland, um, you know, you would have seen a little blurb I did on that in your newsletter uh, the other week. And it, it's just, I don't think it's how they want to do business. Yeah. They seem to be wanting to, they're looking for certain, the way certain pieces fit together. They they're building, they always say they're building a culture and that's really what they're building. They're building, players with the right types of personalities that fit together that also have the right skill sets that complement each other. And then, and it's, you mentioned Oscar Preya, but really that's the way Luis Muzi is building this team. And right. Oscar has, it's his task to make them fit together, to find the best way to put the pieces together. And I don't know that he's done it yet, but I know that he's closer than he was in March or April. And things seem to be clicking a little bit better, but I, I still think there's some room for a little more improvement. I think that I think there's a way to to maybe even get more out of these guys, but I don't know what that combination is, and they haven't kind of quite hit on it yet. They they find something that works for a few games, and then of course it didn't work in the last game, but there was a lot of extenuating circumstances there. So we'll see how it comes together after this. If they if they go back and start getting results again with a more normal schedule, uh, then there might not be a reason to really tweak a whole lot because if so, the old saying, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And it hadn't been broken. 
Right. And, you know, to use the, uh, the Ted Lasso ism of it, um, you know, when you bring in, um, a Zorro or a, uh, uh, excuse me, a, um, who was there as Latan, uh, oh, guy. I forgot his name. I forgot his name too. Cause it's just, it's just Zlatan. So, yeah. uh, yeah, but you know, which was based off of reality. I mean, that, that kind of, that kind of player can really, you know, throw a locker room at, into disarray. So it may, you know, talking about culture that very much may not be something that they want to do. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not ideal when you're, you've got two designated players starting games on the bench. That's not ideal. But those designated players have chipped in with goals and, and assists off the bench. And the guys that are starting ahead of them are also performing. So that's actually a, a good scenario because it doesn't necessarily matter which ones are starting, and which ones are, are are backing up as long as everybody's contributing. And that's what we had for the last couple of weeks, the last well, four games before this loss. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, that's another thing, you know, speaking of the, the roster is it's definitely deeper uh, than it's been. The drop-off is not as steep uh, when they have to go to the bench as, as it has been in the past. And that that is a, not at every position necessarily, but, you know, a lot of positions. And that is a luxury Orlando hasn't had previously. So I'm, I'm kind of liking at least that part. Yeah. Zava, by the way, is what Zava. Yeah. Everybody out there is like, it's Zava, you idiots. <laughs> oh my God. So uh, I just as an aside, that actor was perfect for that. Yeah. We're um we're not dumb. We're just old. We're just Some, old, yeah. We're and we're tired. The thing that happens when you get old is that you know a thing, but for whatever reason, in a moment you might not be able to say the thing that you know. <laughs> you, yeah, you can't access it. Yeah. It's definitely the file is hidden. <laughs> yes. So anyway, yeah, it was Zava. So that's uh, yeah, that's where they're at. I think we answered the question pretty thoroughly. It's it's we don't know what the allocation money situation is exactly. I'm pretty sure they could bring somebody in, in some help if they wanted to, but I think they're feeling pretty good about you know the way things are and and the future. So. Uh, especially since Enrique started to put the ball in the net. And, you know, the one piece that's still missing is the guy that looked the best out of, you know, maybe one of the best players out of those young ones that came in was Gaston Gonzalez. He was really starting to come on and then he got hurt. So that's that's a bummer. But um, I think that the team is as deep as it's ever been. And we'll, we'll just see how it plays out. But I, I really think that they, if they're going to do some things and they're going to need to do some things this offseason, because some guys' contracts are coming up, loans are coming up, that kind of thing. Um, we'll see it this offseason, but I think they're pretty set unless the right piece comes along at the right price. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I'm not expecting anything. Let's put it that way. Yeah. All right. That is it from the email. Thank you so much for your question, Andrew. And uh, thank you for loving the mailbag box. Yes, indeed. Well, fortunately, that's not all we have for the mailbag box. As uh, mainland contributor and longtime friend of the pod, uh, Ryan Smith chimes in and says, "Any thoughts on the global transfer market so far? Shocking moves? Question mark. Overvalued fees? Question mark. The Reggie Cannon situation, et cetera, et cetera." <laughs> I will cop to not knowing what the Reggie Cannon situation even is. <laughs> I. 
did a quick search and and he he moved to um the Primera Liga and he's said that it is more intense and harder to play in than MLS. And so okay. I'm sure that's what people are, you know, up in arms about. But if you if you listen to Reggie, he says that a lot of it has to be if you know, you you could be in the type of match where you could get relegated. And so that brings additional stress and and scrutiny. Yeah, we have relegation. It's called not making the playoffs. Right. <laughs> exactly. There's a lot of pressure when you're trying to make the playoffs. Like Orlando has squeaked in the last two years. That's kind yeah. of like fighting relegations. Yeah, in a, in a sense, it is. It is. Of course, you know, Reggie's not the only uh, um, American to make moves. I mean, obviously, the one of the, the big pieces was Christian Pulisic uh, going from Chelsea to AC Milan. Mm-hmm. Um, you also had uh, Brendan Aronson recently uh, get loaned from Leeds to Union Berlin, um, which is good for him, and especially since Leeds was relegated. Um, trying to think of who else, uh, Tim Weah to Juventus and I'm getting one. Oh, uh, Ricardo Pepe to, uh, PSV. Yeah. I don't think anything really shocked me from the, from the window. I, I don't think that anything really, everything kind of seemed like business as usual, other than the insane amount of money that guys like. Kai Havertz are getting. I mean, yeah. Uh, I think still the most shocking thing is that MLS found a way to bend a lot of things around to get messy here. And now they're apparently going to get like the whole band back together for him um, and make it look like it somehow fits in the salary cap. So I'm anxious to see uh, anxious is not the right word. Eager to see how they, how they say they're doing it. Versus the reality of how it's really being done. Right. And I think that no matter how it's done, uh, the rules will either be amended, uh, rewritten, or ignored to the point that they're able to do it because MLS is now complicit in this, Mm -hmm. uh, along with the big, big name sponsors. And you know, rules, rules for thee, not rules for, for we. I'm anxious to see how the response in LA is to this because LA has been getting the special treatment and now, now Miami's going to be getting it. Uh, LA is going to be, I don't know what we're going to get there next year. We're going to get uh, Erling Holland to LA galaxy. <laughs> I, really, uh, well, I mean, I know that I've said that, you know, one player can't, uh, can't change anything, but if almost any team in MLS got Erling Holland, that would change things. Yeah. Because goals change games, goals change games, and he can find a way to score goals. I don't, I don't even know that he needs much help. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, I think we answered the question. I, I, I'm sorry. I don't have a better question, a better answer for you, Ryan, but, yeah, I, I don't think that there was a bunch of big, weird things out mm-hmm. there that, you know, nothing surprising. Yeah, like my team isn't doing crap as usual. So I'm not, you know, I shouldn't say my team. My teams aren't really doing anything uh, very special this uh, transfer window. So 
I usually just kind of pay attention to my teams. And if they're pursuing somebody, I usually figure out who else is in the mix. And then I know where they're going to go. If they're it's like, oh, they're either going to go to Manchester City or Manchester United. Hey, guess where they're going to go? <laughs> Manchester City. Yeah. 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 That's that's the problem. We, we both have that problem. Yeah. So I think, uh, is that it for the mailbag box then? That is it for the mailbag box. All right. Thanks guys for asking those questions. You can ask us anything every show. Just get those questions in through Twitter at the mainland with the hashtag AskTMLPC or email us at the mainland at gmail.com or you can hit the uh, mainland.com mainland podcast page and use the form there. Any of those ways will suffice or, you know, just show up at our houses and tell us what your question is but don't do that no no don't do that no. that would that would be awkward and weird very all right one of the other things we love for you to do is whatever you do wherever you get this podcast rate us and review us help us out with the algorithms help other people find this podcast it costs you nothing it takes only a few seconds and if you happen to write a five-star review with uh, with a five-star rating with a review on Apple Podcasts, we'll read it on the air. And Dave, we have a new one. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. This came in last Thursday from Happy No More. Well, I'm sad to hear <laughs> that. Yeah. I know. This, I'm guessing it's a play on Happy Gilmore. Happy No yeah, More. Maybe. But well, hope, um, hope, hope, hopefully they're, they still are happy. I hope so, too. And this came in Thursday, so it's not a result of Saturday's debacle. Oh, thanks. Maybe they're, they had a pre, uh, a precognition. Maybe. Okay. So the five star review is as follows A must listen is the headline. If you love Orlando City, this podcast, and they spelled it correctly. Nice. Is a must listen. Excellent analysis and unbiased, dare I say, rational breakdown of the matches and players. Since their breakaway from SB Nation, the show got even better, and the twice-a-week format gives me plenty of content to consume during my daily commute. So much more enjoyable to listen to than the incessant rapid-fire rambling and constant hero worship of some other anonymous show sponsored by the League. Okay. Well, right. we thank you very much. Uh, we And thank you for observing that we do try to, as much as we can, be rational uh, observers of the, of the club. Mm -hmm. Um, and the reason that we're able to do that is, is usually somewhere in the neighborhood of 48 to 28, uh, 24, four, 24 to 48 hours after a match. Uh, so we've had time to process and, and get all the, uh, uh, anger out. If, if, if indeed anger is what we're feeling. Yeah. Well, the, the thing is that, I mean, like, like you all, we're fans of the team. So fan is short for fanatic fanatics are not rational beings so most fans aren't that rational when it comes to uh, sports because it's very emotional it's very emotion based and emotion driven and that's why you lose a game and you want everyone fired or traded instead of looking at the big picture we kind of try to run this as, as journalistically as we can and both the podcast and the website and we try to we try to put some thought into what's going on behind the scenes and what thought processes are and if, look i normally am very happy to say i think player a played well player b played poorly if that 
is what happened because that's kind of my my training. I'm a I'm a I have a journalism degree, and like I said tonight, I talked about Oscar. I think Oscar got this one wrong. I think that he gets a lot of things right, and he gets a lot of crap for performances on the field that maybe aren't uh, something that he can control. But in this case, I I'm not going to defend it. If you say that Oscar got the you know, got the team wrong for this one or the approach to this wrong. I won't argue with you. I, I agree with that. So uh, an analogy I, I use, um, I used to in earlier part of my life, I used to work for a, uh, the Florida trail association, building trails and bridges and things like that. And after doing that for a while, you have a, there's a, you know, I, I was a, I was a hiker and a backpacker before I worked for them. But once I did, you're, you have to look at things differently. Your brain works differently. So like when I go hiking now, if I go over a bridge before I walk over that bridge, I have to go and look under the bridge to see, oh, how did they do that? What, what were they using here? Let me take a look at that. And then I walk over the bridge. And in some ways it, it lessens the experience. It lessens maybe the wonder, uh, but in other ways it enhances it because I, I, I know more and I'm, I, I can see things from a different perspective and it, covering the team is very much like that. I mean, I've been with the mainland for like eight freaking years now doing this stuff. And it, it, um, it, it does change how you see a match and you can compartmentalize the supporter section of your brain and the journalist, uh, section of your brain so that you can, you can watch a match. You can, you can be angry or, or elated, but one section of your brain is still doing the analyzing and mm-hmm. when all things are said and done, you know, you're, you're happy, you're sad, but that other segmented part of your brain then goes, okay, this is empirically what happened. And so for me, at least that's, that's how that process works. Yeah. One of the, the one, that thing that I tend to point out to people, it's like, when you, when you tell me the players look disinterested that like they didn't want the ball, did they want the ball? Maybe the tactics were to counter. Maybe the tactics were not to have the ball. Maybe the, the tactics were, uh, we're going to, we're not going to try to have long spells of possession. We're going to kick the ball down the field. We're going to try to score on the counter. We're going to try to spring somebody. And if that doesn't work, we'll try to break them down when they come at us. And then we'll have numbers or we'll have a, we'll have a man advantage uh, or something, you know, we'll have them out of position to where we can score. So they're, the fan brain versus the analysis brain is a real thing. And, and it's, it's what we strive to do. We, maybe we're not always successful because we're human beings, but that's what we try to do. So I I thank you happy for noticing that and pointing that out. And, and uh, we appreciate you listening. Yeah. I will say the unintended consequence of that is that now, no matter which of my teams I'm watching, I end up doing that. (laughs) <laughs> so even ones that are not Orlando City, I'm I'm still having that segmented brain thing. So I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad yeah, thing. Yeah, it is. It's it's fun when you could just have a beer and watch your team play. Um, right. But then when you get like us, you're like, where are they? Where are they? Where are they picking up the pressure? What part of the, are they? You know, are they trying to force the play one one way or the other? There's there's a hundred million things going through your mind. You're not just switching off your brain and having a beer and going woo. Orlando City. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, and, and you're also you're going, you're being honest with yourself and going, yeah, that was a foul. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, that does happen. All right, um, 
Dave, we put it off long enough. We're going to get to our OCB minute now. Okay. OCB jumped out to an early lead at Huntsville, which was nice because they're coming off that big come from behind win at FC Cincinnati too. Right in the thick of the chase in the conference, they are they're having a pretty good season, all things considered. And uh, you know, because they're they've been losing a lot of guys to first team call ups and international stuff and U twenty World Cup and all kinds of crazy stuff. So they went out, got an early goal through Alex Freeman, and that's always fun to have a lead early. Lead early sounds. Great, um, especially on the road because, uh, you know, it's not really their thing. Yeah, they they did win the last one. They won a couple others, but they really have struggled on the road for the most part this year. And part of that has been because they're not very tidy with the ball in the middle of the p- field. And that was the case throughout this game. They were giving the ball away cheaply all over the place. And that puts the defense in a bad position. It makes you foul. It makes you give up set pieces. And that's that's kind of what was OCB's undoing is, is giving up transitions, giving up set pieces, giving up uh, fouls, uh, getting guys sent off because of two yellow cards. But, uh, you know, it didn't take Huntsville long to tie it. Then they took the lead and it just kind of snowballed on them from there. Uh, the, there was a really bad foul in the box that gave them a penalty um, for the second goal. I think it was I, I, you lose track when they score six, but I'm pretty sure it was the second goal. And yeah. it, I mean, Moises Tablante did not start again at left back. And when he doesn't start at left back for this team, it's it's noticeable. The replacement for him is not has not been has not been good enough. And, you know, I don't like I'm not going to talk bad about young players because they're still learning and they're still growing in the, you know, and they have to get minutes to get better. But at the same time, it's just is so noticeable when Tablante isn't in there and the player that they chose gave up the penalty. Uh, you know, the player that they chose to replace him in this game gave up the penalty and um, allowed Dunsfield to get on a roll. Turnover gives them a third goal, and it just kind of went from there. And, and the only good thing about the game was that Jack Lynn got another goal in this game, and, <laughs> and uh, he's right up there in the Golden Boot route, uh, Golden Boot race, which is kind of fun because for a while in this season he was coming off the bench he wasn't even the starter so uh it's good to see that he's he has been starting lately and he's been taking advantage of that and climbing but if he had been getting more minutes early in the season he might be running away with this golden boot yeah that's that's entirely possible because he he does it seems to be more rare that he doesn't score than he does score when he when he does make it onto the pitch so uh, even in a match like this he still manages to find one yeah he's just if you give him an opening, you know, at that level, he's he he can punish you if you give him an opening and he only needs one. And over the course of a game, usually a striker will get one and mm-hmm. he has been punishing opponents. But when your team gives up six, there's not a really a lot of punishing you can do. Um, they were very careless with the ball, wasteful with opportunities. Uh, Juninho sent a couple that were just wide. Uh, you know, just a little more sharpness could have changed the, the complexion of this game, but defensively they weren't good. And early in the second half, when Kubin Gucci got his second yellow card, it really, really messed things up. And, um, and that will probably be a problem in the next game since Nobby will be suspended for that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's not good. Not good at all. Because as you mentioned, the, uh, the people behind the guys who usually start, 
uh, you know, we mentioned with the first team, how the, the backups are, are better and it's the deeper team. Well, that's not the case with the OCB because developmental squad, Yeah, but and they're, you know, a lot of those are younger, younger kids and, and yeah. they're not physically able to maybe sometimes they get overpowered or, um, you know, just beaten, but, um, you know, Abdi Salim already out with a knee injury and you lose Kevin Gucci for the next game. So you're, you're down, t- you know, to your third and fourth center backs and yeah, it's not, uh, not ideal. They're up against Atlanta two on Sunday. So we will hope for better things from the young lions. It was a tough, tough weekend for the men's teams. It was a tough weekend. Uh, looking ahead to, uh, Atlanta, uh, to keep, uh, keep Javier Otero in your thoughts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pour one out for Javi. That's right. Uh, all right. Um, I think that's all that we came to talk about today. Is it not? It is. I mean, a quick shout out to the U S with their, uh, their, Extra time penalty kick uh, advance over Canada. That was exciting and stressful to watch. Oh, very stressful. I was uh, so I'm I was watching that in my niece's room because I put the kids in one room. I got to the bed in her room, but I had my uh, I had my laptop I'm watching on the laptop. They score. You know, Vasquez gets the goal late, 80, 88th minute. I'm like, okay, cool. Got him, beat him. Canada's done. Then Miles Robinson gives gives up gives up a silly handball in the box, just extends the arm away from his body. You cannot in the box extend your arms away from your body at any point, even if you're going trying to go up against the player and you know be physical with the player. You can't do it. It's just you're just asking for that because that in no way, shape, or form affected anything. He could do nothing about that. It was a bad bounce, and yet. The way the rules are written, that's still a penalty. Yeah, well, and, and he had almost gotten another one earlier in the match that they they called off. But so I, you know, I guess ball don't lie. It, it came back and and snap, smacked him on that one. And of course, uh, Canada knocks it in, and and we're level. Yeah, that I was. Uh, I'm sure if I was Canadian, I would have been upset about the first one not being a penalty, but. That two-handed shove was very obvious. Yeah. Very obvious. Um, So once you see that happen, you go, all right. If guys were just able to do that all the time, (laughs) no one would ever score. (laughs) Right. But even then, I'm like, I'm like, okay, you know, look, Turner's good against, uh, he's he's got a really good record on on PK. So I forgot, you know, there's still a chance for him to stop it, but now he doesn't. Yeah. You know, I was thinking... I bet this guy's going to go, this punk's going to go right down the middle. And sure enough, he did. And Turner even knew he goes, I knew he was going to go down the middle. And then at the last second, I second guessed myself. So you're Matt Turner. Don't second guess yourself. Right. Yeah. You, you save more penalty kicks than anybody. So at least uh, then in the second half, uh, so many of these guys, I just thought played terribly. I, I thought that, George Mihailovic didn't play very well. Zendejas hasn't played well at all in this whole tournament. Uh, I really thought some games Brian Reynolds has looked good, but he did not look good to me in this game. And he was the one that gave the ball away that allowed Canada to take the lead in the second half of stoppage or extra time. So I was glad that uh, they were able to get in there and, and get an own goal 
get that thing bouncing around. It was like the best thing that Busio did in this game because again, he had <laughs> yeah. he had a ton of good chances and he just couldn't do anything with them. Uh there was an opportunity on the like it was he was just like wide open and hit yeah. the hit the shot at the goalkeeper. I was I was just like, could you have not let that go through to Cade Cowell? Could you just not have done that? <laughs> <laughs> Well, at least when it went to uh, at least when it went to kicks, I like I said, I did feel pretty good because Turner is is yeah. excellent at that. I mean, save the first two for goodness sake. Yeah, and the first one he again, like right down the middle again, <laughs> like, and I if I were a goalkeeper, I would probably thirty percent of the time just stand my ground, right? Because half the time when you guess right, you still don't get it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. So just, you know, just stand there. Yeah. But anyway, I mean, Turner Turner comes up big and then they hit the post on one. US advances. Yeah. Stayed up late to to, you know, watch it and and write about it and you had staff to edit and but in the end it was worth staying up for. Yeah. Just you just you just feel so differently about Kamal Miller now, don't you? <laughs> right? <laughs> like there's so many ex Orlando city players on Canada's squad. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I never, I, I never was a huge Larea fan anyway, because he went from, he just wasn't, he wasn't a good midfielder. They were playing him in midfield. Like he, you know, they thought they was a midfielder winger type. Maybe wasn't playing well. And he was getting really unnecessary yellow cards and things and being unnecessarily chippy. And then he goes off to another team, becomes a great fullback, but he still does a lot of those same things. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like when Dwyer was here, when he's, when he's, he's our jerk, you know, when he's on someone else's <laughs> team, he's their jerk and we don't like him. Yeah. Oh, well, anyway, they move on. And uh, of course we can, we can touch on their uh, semifinal match on uh, when we do our next show on Thursday or re- yeah. record Thursday and it'll go live on Friday. But I think that's it for 360. That's going to do it. can't believe we've done 360 of these things. All right. Thank you to those who sent in questions. Get your questions in for the next show. We will be happy to answer anything you ask us. So ask us anything, please. Um, read our stuff, themainland.com. Follow Dave on Twitter, at Mainland Dave. Follow me, at Mainland Michael. And follow the mainland, at the mainland. And like us on Facebook. Rate, review, subscribe to this podcast and if you do a five-star rating and review on apple podcast we'll read it on the next show also again if you have a blue sky uh, invitation for us we would like to move us uh, have a presence over there so if you have one um please pass it along we, we would love to have it yes please all right anything else to add dave that's gonna do it for me All right, then uh, we will get out of here and let everybody get on with their lives. That will do it for 360, except for the thing we always do at the end, which is to say, go city.